Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. The hang ups we have today. Welcome into episode 110 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined by a little bit of a surprise guest. It's been just a minute, but Zach Gagan of Kentucky Sports Radio is here with us in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Zach, how the heck are you? Doing great in beautiful, rainy Orlando. Yeah, it has not been the most pleasant uh, introduction to our time at the MBPA Top 100 camp. Been a little bit of a stressful experience. So this event wasn't even really supposed to happen for us. We kind of decided uh, I had spent the last two weekends at Peach Jam, and the guest list for this event was not all that great. And we kind of decided initially, yeah, you know what, let's just call it off. It's the last – you know, it's kind of three days right after Peach Jam. There's no real reason for us to rush into anything. Um, you, know, you know, let's just kind of call off the rest of the summer and, and wait for the next big-time event because the kids are going to be resting after Peach Jam. There's not going to be a whole lot of players attending. Uh, so we originally decided not to. And then we get the actual roster, and we said, well, there's a couple big-name players that we can 
definitely talk to and that we need to watch and players that just received offers from Kentucky and, and players with high interest in Kentucky planning visits to Kentucky. So we were like, you know what? At like 6.30 last night, we said, screw it. Why don't we book a flight right now and get there tomorrow? So we booked a flight. We got a hotel. And 6 a.m. flight, rise and shine, Zach. We were in, in the car ready to go. Yeah, it was definitely uh, thrown together at the last minute. But, hey, here we are. I went to bed, I'd say, for about three hours last night. A good solid three hours. We got about an hour and a half power nap in earlier. So we were well rested and rejuvenated, ready to go. Uh, watch all the players that we thought were going to be there that ended up not being there. Spoiler. Yeah. So Shaden Sharp was the headliner. He's not here. No. Nope. Nick Smith was the headliner. Apparently, he was on a flight to Orlando. Nowhere to be seen. Not here. Uh, but outside of that, we still have Adem Bona, who we have some updates on him. Casein Wallace is here, playing mm-hmm. extremely well. Uh, Vincent. Iwachuku, he is he is playing. Um, go down the list: uh, Bayfall, Keontae George. You know, there, there are some. It's not the star-studded lineup we kind of anticipated, but you know what? We're making the most of it. We're talking to media folks. We're talking to coaches. We're we are doing the dirty work behind the scenes to provide our listeners the most up-to-date recruiting information that you could possibly find. So, with that being said, let's first start off with the event itself. Some of the uh, day one players that have kind of stood out to you so far um, and just kind of your overall thoughts on the experience as of day one. Well, so I guess the way it was set up was we had three different courts going at the same time, only two sets of games for the day. So I guess there was only six games. So and the way we were positioned made it a little difficult to watch all of the courts at the same time. Uh, but we still got uh, a good look at a lot of different players. Like Jack was saying, Adam, Adem Bona and uh, Case and Wall specifically were two guys that I tried to watch as much as possible. Same with Bay, uh, Bay Fall. Uh, Anthony Black was also there. Um, Stefan is it Stefan Castles? I think yes. Uh, another guy that we were kind of watching as well. So just initially, definitely the first set of games, actually, to be perfectly blunt, were just hor- horrendous games. <laughs> I think every game was a blow up by 20 plus points. Eventually, the uh, Mr. John Lucas Sr. Or is he a senior senior? Yes. John the, Lucas senior. The, the OG. The John Lucas was uh, – he's kind of, I guess, running the whole thing. But after that first game, he was like, guys, this is pathetic. Let's seriously step it up a little bit. Second games were – actually, all of these second games were really close. But it's clear that with roughly 40-plus of the NBPA 100 missing that were supposed to be here, there's probably only 60, maybe 55 kids that actually made it. Uh, the rosters are a little bit unbalanced, so they're going to try and fix that up tomorrow from what we were told. And uh, But uh, early on, the basketball, you know, got better as the day went on. And uh, I got a little – I liked what I saw from uh, Casey Wallace. I think that was my – that might have been my second time watching him actually in person. So I was, uh, it was really nice to actually watch him on both ends of the floor. He's a workhorse. I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, you watched a dim bona more than I did uh, today, but we've been able to watch him in the past. So – uh, those two guys are the ones that we had our eyes on the most, and they looked pretty decent from what we saw. Obviously, just a small sample size, but uh, so far, so good in terms of uh, the actual on-court, uh, I guess, production and what we're looking for. So, Adembona, secret is out, I believe. He is a uh, – so, his story is very interesting. So, he moved to Turkey at age 13, 
played professionally, but it was kind of one of those FIBA, um, you know, not making money. Like, or he is he is eligible to play college basketball, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm not, not even in his canter situation. Not yes, and he was in Turkey, so kind of coincidentally enough. Where did he come from? Do you know? Um, not off the top of my head. I'll have to look that up. Um, but he played professionally in Turkey all the way up until like September of 2020. He moved over to the States. He's now playing at Prolific Prep in California. Uh, and he played a little bit for Team Why Not at Peach Jam. He was over at the FIBA U19s playing for Turkey. So he was playing, uh, you know, some international ball and then came over and got a few games at Peach Jam as well. He is one of my favorite bigs in the class just just in terms of high motor high intensity long 6 foot 10 230 ish pounds where he's just a, a grown man runs the floor extremely well long uh dunk, tries to dunk everything he he kind of reminds me of a kind of more advanced version of Oscar Shibway at that stage i, I genuinely think that's kind of what he he is a longer stronger version of Oscar Shibway at this stage. And I think that's why the Kentucky coaching staff is very, very high on him. Uh, I talked to a lot of people that would absolutely know. Kentucky is kind of putting on the full court press on him. They really like his fit alongside either Kyle Filipowski, and we'll get into him in a, here in just a minute. A lot of people are just kind of assuming that he's a Duke lock. I think that Duke is a very much strong leader there, but Kentucky's going all in on him. Or Derek Lively. They want to pair – uh, a Dembona with one of those two, preferably just get two of those three core big men, but they're all in. Uh, they had There was a member of the Kentucky coaching staff watching every one of a Dembona's games at Peach Jam, and then now at MBPA just three days later, this last summer evaluation period, Kentucky is there watching them again. So uh, he told us, I, I heard from a source close to the program that they were planning on hosting a Dem in mid-August-ish, sometime in August, uh, two weekends ago, I believe, at Peach Jam is when I first heard that, uh, got more confirmation of that last weekend. And then today, we actually got to talk to a Dem face-to-face, well, virtually face-to-face. Face to computer. That was kind of a nightmare interview process as well. But he said and confirmed that he will be visiting Kentucky here in the next couple weeks. Kaysen Wallace, who you already had, uh, addressed, high motor, UK thinks he's the best two-way garden in America, and I'm right there. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Kind of an Ash, imagine Ashton Hagens with a more complete offensive game where he can finish at the rim and oh, I don't know shoot. So he was that's good at getting in the into the lane and kicking it out too. Very much a, a playmaker on that end. He is going to be visiting Kentucky. He confirmed as well with uh, the media today. He will be visiting at some point in August. So Kentucky has quite the hectic visit schedule planned in the coming weeks. Uh, and you know, they, the, the staff spent the entire two week process at, at Peach Jam, not just evaluating guys that they want, but kind of confirming players that I don't think they're necessarily all in on. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't want to say UK is not interested in this kid anymore or whatever, but it's very clear watching, you know, a, a guy like Jaden Bradley, who was very high on Kentucky, has been very high on Kentucky for a very long time. It just feels like UK doesn't think that the fit is all that great there. And I talked to a couple people inside the program that that's kind of the overall feel right now is that they like him as a player, but don't know how they like him alongside the other pieces that they have in Shaden Sharp that they're hoping to add in August at some point. Uh, Sky Clark has already committed. They like each other. They, you know, they're big fans of each other. They've talked about playing together, but I think, 
in terms of what UK is looking for, they are all in on Case and Wallace, and they're all in on Nick Smith at this point. Nick Smith just received an offer from from Kentucky right after Peach Jam. So uh, you can just kind of see that we're now at the point in this 2022 class where UK is confirming the players that they like and kind of also confirming that, hey, I, I don't know if, if this is going to be the best fit for us moving forward. So uh, I, I think that the staff kind of has an idea of what their dream class would look like. And I think Shaden Sharp, Zach, is the, the guy. And I think that's somebody that everybody talked about at Peach Jam. I, for my money, the best scorer in, in high school basketball right now, I would argue that He's going to be a, make a push for the number one overall spot when, if and when Amani Bates and Jalen Duran reclassify to 2021. I think Shaden Sharp's going to be right there for that number one spot, Zach. And I think Kentucky's very, very, very confident in its chances to land uh, who I believe could be the number one player in the country. Yeah, the consensus definitely seems to be right now that Shaden Sharp is, you know, if he won't be number one, he is going to end top three pretty. Uh, you know, pretty confident in that. And after, you know, watching him play, especially uh, what he's done the last few weeks, it's, you know, hard to, uh, hard to deny that. And it's like you were saying with Kentucky, they're, they're nailing down the guys that they're going after right now. And they've, they seem to be looking to go after another three guard backcourt lineup type deal that we've, you know, come to get familiar with the last few years. And I think they've got the pieces to do it. They've or at least the prospects to do it with Nick Smith and Casey Wallace and Sky Clark and Shaden Sharp. If, you know, you could somehow manage to get it. Uh, I would imagine they'd probably try and, you know, just get three of those four guys. But uh, even still, that makes for a hell of a backcourt. And, um, yeah. I do want to kind of talk about the Sky Clark situation and his commitment to Kentucky. He's – every time he talks, he talks about how all in on Kentucky he is and why he's – you know, how excited he is. Uh, he just broke down – his uh, injury, kind of how it happened, and his he, he had a, a partially torn ACL. Doctors confirmed that there was no ligament, you know, long-term ligament damage, bone damage, no meniscus, nothing, you know, n- nothing outside of a partial ACL tear, which is great news, uh, great sign for his his future. But there's, you know, there's kind of this buzz and talk that, uh, you know, talking to other coaches, some coaches that used to recruit Sky before he was committed. Uh, that still to this day don't believe that he'll end up on a college campus, that he has a, a, an offer from a couple of the pro routes. I know Overtime Elite has an offer extended to him. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about him not ending up at Kentucky. I still believe that he'll end up in Lexington at the end of the day. I, I think he's all in on, on it. His family absolutely adores uh, this, the, the program and, and genuinely thinks that uh, Cal is all in on him. And, and there's, it's a really good relationship right now. Uh, but I do almost get the sense that they are warming up to the possibility or at least kind of keeping a backup option in case something were to happen in that in that scenario where uh, you, you know they add a they add Shaden, they add Casey Wallace, and Nick Smith says, you know, hey, I, I really want to come. Maybe he possibly commits and Sky says, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a little bit crowded for my liking. I can go, you know, pro I just I'd feel like Kentucky they are all in in their dream class scenario. I think it would be Shaden Sharp, Sky Clark, and one of Nick Smith or Casey Wallace, whoever whoever commits first. They want to take in my my eyes. I think they are slightly leaning 
a little bit more toward Cason Wallace for what he does on both ends of the floor. They think he's the best two-way uh, two player in, in America. Um, but I, do, I just do kind of get that sense that just in case something happens, that they want to make sure Nick Smith knows, and, and Cason Wallace both, that, hey, we really like you. We want you to know that you have, you know, you have a spot here if we get to this point that, that we, we desperately want you here. We'd love for you to be a part of this program. So, like you said, UK is in a very solid position with all four of those players. One of them is already committed. Uh, I wrote a, an Insider Notes post on KSR kind of breaking down what we had heard from uh, our time at Peach Jam, my time at Peach Jam, talking to coaches, talking to different national media members, national sources, and all that. So, Zach, I, I kind of wanted to just kind of go down the list of what is UK's dream class right now? What would that look like? Uh, and, you know, kind of what, in their eyes, what would be the perfect, you know, icing on the cake, chef's kiss of a, of a recruiting class? And I wanted to kind of get your feel of if this is how it unfolds, what do you think? Do you think that this could be a contending team? How, how uh, you know, would that stack up to some of the other top programs in America? So, Shaden Sharp. UK's number one option right now. Number one target, guard, bigs, doesn't matter. Shaden Sharp is the number one guy right now. They are eyeing a mid-August commitment. I heard that the first week in a Peach Jam. Several other different people confirmed that in the uh, week and a half-ish since then. I'm very confident in Kentucky's chances to lay, land Shaden Sharp. UK, something that I wholeheartedly appreciate about the program, they are still going all in on him, thinking as if, like, hey, it's not a done deal until it's a done deal. There's been some talk about in the past how they kind of would think they had a player locked up. They weren't, and then they would end up elsewhere, and they'd be like, what the hell? Everybody said that he was a locked done deal to, to go to Kentucky. What happened there? Kentucky is going all in. They're approaching it as if he's not committed, that he's still an, an uncommitted player, you know, still exploring his options. They are all in on Shaden Sharp, and – until he is a committed player, signs on the dotted line, they're going to act as if uh, he is a very much available player. And I wholeheartedly appreciate that. And I think that Shaden himself appreciates that. But I don't think there's much to worry about. I think Kentucky is uh, far and away the leader there. And talk about, Zach, a way to kind of get that foundational piece from day one. If you, if you could get him committed by mid, mid-August mid or so, what a way to start the class. Absolutely. And I think – him deciding soon probably bodes well in the in you know related to professional routes as well because if he's going to take such a leap where he you know jumps up to a top five prospect those big time professional leagues will definitely come a little bit harder so I think trying to lock up a guy like Shaden Sharp especially sooner rather than later would be just massive all around uh, for those reasons that you're saying and I will say that UK believes that he is the number one player in the country they they think that after they're for thorough evaluations that Shaden Sharp will end up being the number one player in the country. And th just kind of think about, uh, you, you know, just how long it's been since Kentucky has added that guy. You know, Jalen Duren's going to reclassify. Imani Bates is going to reclassify. So it's kind of a makeshift different recruiting class, different uh, high school class. But he is a can't-miss, surefire. I compare him a lot to imagine Malik Monk with better ball handling and better defense. Those were two of his biggest flaws. He couldn't pass, couldn't play defense, and, and uh, you know couldn't handle the ball very well. But he could score the absolute lights out. And that's exactly what Shaden Sharp brings to the table. He's a three-level scorer. Athletic is all get out. He, he is the absolute truth. The Kentucky staff thinks that he is. And that's part of the reason why Keontae George, things kind of died out there. 
Uh, UK is not actively recruiting him anymore. There's a lot of Baylor talk right now. Texas is still kind of fighting for his commitment. It's kind of a one-two between those two programs. Kentucky's not landing Keontae George. He's he's set to commit on August eighth. Um, you know, I think I genuinely think it's because they push all their chips in on Shaden Sharp, and I think it's going to be a bet that they end up winning. Mm-hmm. Um, the front court dynamic is one that a lot of people are curious about because Derek Lively is, you know, he jumped all the way up to number three in the country. Uh, I kind of compare him to like a seven foot Willie Collie Stein with a more versatile offensive game. He's, uh, you know, sh- shoots the ball. Uh, I think he's more advanced at this age offensively than, than Willie Collie Stein was, but that right same, even. that, yeah, no kidding. That same defensive, just knack for the ball, pure shot blocker can, I mean, Blocks the shot, you know. He 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 he'll defend out on the perimeter, block your shot out there, kind of like what Isaiah Jackson and Willie Cauley signed a lot of stuff that he he would do. Uh, but then down low in the post, I mean, he's just an, a, a ball magnet. I mean, just just insane at how well of a, uh, just phenomenal of a shot blocker he is. Uh, that would be a massive gift for the program. Like I said, they're all in on a Dembona. They love what he brings to the table: length, strength. Uh, his motor, his, I, I think there's there's not a player with a better motor in America. He is all in every time he steps on the floor. And I think th- there is a, a fit for a player like that on every team in America. And I think that's why they're so high, so high on him. He's going to be visiting in August. I think he's – if he doesn't have an offer behind the scenes, I think one is coming. I think the staff thinks he's very much offer worthy and would very much like for him to be a part of this recruiting class. And then, guys – Kyle Filipowski is a guy that UK thinks is the most skilled big. They think he is the highest floor. There's a lot of talk right now about Kyle Filipowski and Duke, and rightfully so. There's a lot of connections there. Uh, If you know his New York Rens program and who is the director of that program, Andy Borman, a lot of Duke ties there. Um, This is kind of John Shire's first big recruiting class since he's taking over as the head coach of Duke, and there's a lot of talk that – like they want Kyle Filipowski to be the first kind of headliner of John Shire's first recruiting class. That's kind of the talk behind the scenes. And it very well might come to fruition. But all I want fans to know is that Kentucky has thrown its hat into the Kyle Filipowski sweepstakes. They think that he is worth the risk that comes with recruiting a guy that is heavily favoring somewhere else. Um, I genuinely think that they like the fit with Filipowski in terms of offense alongside a guy like a Dembona in terms of motor and kind of that uh, grit and grind type player kind of match skill with that. And then, or match, you know, Kyle Filipowski with Derek Lively, who's, you know, defensive minded and kind of growing offensive game as a shooter. The, you, you talk about three different skill sets that you could mesh into one front court. If you take two of those three, it doesn't really matter who you get. You can make that work. Uh, like the, the fit with, any of those two out of, out of those three, I don't see them signing all three, most certainly not. But um, considering Duke being so far along with Kyle Filipowski, I, I think they're going to come up short in that sweepstakes. But I would not be shocked at all if UK's front court uh, is Kyle or is Derek Lively and Dembona. And what a uh, absolute headliner that would be for sure. Um, keep going down the list. Kaysen Wallace and Nick Smith both re- both really received their scholarship offers at Peach Jam this past weekend, and there's a lot of chatter about like who who's favoring who. Um, Tennessee kind of came in before the offer that that they were the kind of far and away leader for Kaysen Wallace. I still 
tend to believe that they are probably a very, very, very slight favorite in that. But Kentucky is very confident that they can make up that ground. And uh, I definitely think it's a one-two punch of, of Kentucky and Tennessee uh, with, with him. I think Kentucky's confident that their prior relationships was something to keep in mind. The director of the Pro, of Pro Skills Texas, is that's his EYBL program, is the godfather of Julius Randle. There's a lot of strong Texas ties there uh, with, with between the Kentucky coaching staff, long, long, long time developed relationships with him that that's kind of what UK is hanging on to right now is they, there's a lot of trust with Kentucky uh, with that program and kind of who he is. And, uh, and I think that's kind of where UK's confidence is coming from right now. To be totally honest, I don't care which one they add between the two because they're both so impressive. They, they both give you kind of something different. Nick Smith is the all-in scoring threat. Uh, Kaysen Wallace is the kind of defensive-minded guy. So whoever you want to pair in that in that backcourt, man, I, I'm kind of all in on both. Zach, I'm very curious, what who do you favor out of those two? And if you were in John Calipari's shoes, how would you approach that uh, kind of decision between going all-in on one or the other or both? I think things are going to just be a lot different than they have been the last 10 years in terms of, you know, how far Calipari will go all in on uh, a high school recruit just because of the transfer portal. Like I kind of have a hard time believing that, you know, they would go all in on Nick Smith and Kaysom Wallace uh, when they could, you know, still kind of, you know, find their way through the transfer portal later on. So I feel like, I think the class will still be really good, but I, I think it'll probably still be another three-man, four-man class, and Cal's going to try and use that transfer portal still. But, you know, if you're picking between Nick Smith and Kaysom Wallace, I would probably take Kaysom Wallace just off the, the small film I've seen because of uh, what he can bring on both ends, and he just seems like a more ready player for what Cal would need because he doesn't necessarily have to rely on Kaysom Wallace or Nick Smith or Shaden Sharp or Sky Clark to be the main point guard like he had to with a John Wall or Brandon Knight. So I think it'll, I think the way they, you know, approach recruiting these guys and evaluating them could be a little bit different in the past because I just don't think their role will be as big. But as I was saying, I think that Casey Wallace would be your your better, you know, immediate impact type of guy uh, that would fit better for probably what Cal would need, where he's going to have you know a, a couple of veterans playing in the backcourt too that can make things just a lot easier for a guy that's already kind of ahead of the curve. I think you bring up a real, really good point with the transfer portal and the players that, I mean, are, is Cal going to push out a guy like, uh, you know, uh, uh, guys like Dante Allen, CJ Frederick, well, kind of, you know, if you get, let's say they get three of those four where you get Nick Smith, let's just say they get Smith, Clark and Shaden Sharp, and then a bunch of really good transfers pop up too. And it becomes a situation you know, maybe even like how it was with Kofi Coburn, you know, where it's like, well, you got this really, really good player, but, uh, you know, how does fit work and things like that. So it'll, it'll all be, you know, new to them as well. But like, let's say, a, you know, a guy like Marcus Carr, you know, just going back to this past year, let's say he wants to come to like another guy like him wants to come to UK and Kentucky's got three freshmen in the backcourt, you know, it'd be, it'd be tough for Cal to not say, you know, I want to take the, I want to take the veteran who's proven in, in that aspect. So. Sorry to steal your your light there, but my my train my train of thought continued. No, it's I I'm spend my time rambling. You deserve your time as oh, well, really? most certainly. I, I love it. Uh, Nick Smith is a guy that we've talked to several times in the past. 
Um, first time we got to talk to him was at that Made Hoops event mm-hmm. in Indianapolis earlier this spring before he broke his left wrist. Years ago. Uh, yeah, no kidding. He is a huge fan of the Kentucky basketball program. He thinks it's a, you know, he loves the competitive environment. He's a competitive, fiery type of player. Um, he thinks that that would be one of the best options for him in terms of development and kind of developing that professional mindset and the business approach. He loves that energy that Kentucky provides. I do wholeheartedly, you know, hand on the Bible, God's honest truth, think that there was some bad blood there for a while after case, after Nick's wrist injury, UK cooled on him. He, they hadn't gotten to see him play in person. There was an evaluation period. They missed the entire last season with, you know, COVID and, and kind of ex, the exposure was very, very low for Nick Smith on Kentucky's side of things. Kentucky needed to see him, you know, he broke his wrist. They needed to see him in person before offering him a scholarship or like make, or making it clear that they were very serious about him. I think on Nick's side, he's like, look, my film speaks for itself. I'm a damn good player. Why are you not, you know, I'm a damn good player who would love the opportunity to play at Kentucky. Why are you not showing me that same respect as a player? You know, just because I'm going through this injury, why are you not trusting my abilities on Kentucky side of things? They're like, look, we're changing the way things are being run here around this program where it's going to be a dog-eat-dog world. We're going to sign the best of the best players, and we want to make sure that you are the best of the best players. I think that it was just kind of a – I hate to break it to you, but we're going to wait until you come back from your injury and see how you play. He came back from his injury probably a little bit too soon. I watched him in several games. I uh, sat right behind the bench. He was on the, uh, on the bench – you know, kind of working out his wrist going, ah, oh, gosh, this hurts. It would tighten up. And, and, you know, he was like, I need a tennis ball. I need something to kind of stretch this out. My, my wrist is bothering me. He came back too early and he still proved that he is one of the most prolific scorers in high school basketball. Holy crap. 31 points in the, in the Peach Jam championship game. That's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. He is a, he's a killer. He's a dog. He's a, you know, three-way scoring threat. He does all the good, you know, and I love that he, he can run point guard at times. He's a tough rebounder. He likes getting his teammates involved. He's a, he's a very, very good player. But there was a little bit of a rift between the two parties. I talked to Nick on the side, and I was like, hey, what's, you know, what's the level of contact like on, on Kentucky's end? He's like, don't know, haven't heard from him. It was like, oh, well, you know, are you, are you put out by that? Is, are you, you know, he's like, I, I understand it's a business, but – I think I've done, I think I've done enough to earn an offer and they don't believe that. So it was, it was just, it, it was kind of just like, it was just kind of politics. It was just, you know, 18 months off and a new coaching staff. It, they needed to see him in, in person. They enjoyed what they saw when they did get the chance to see him in person and offer came immediately afterward. Will that affect Nick Smith's commitment and recruitment at the end of the day? Before you and I talked behind the scenes. I said there's no way that Nick Smith goes anywhere but Kentucky. He's a big fan of the program. He loves what, you know, just kind of the everything ins and outs of the program. But will the other stuff, the background stuff that led up to this point, will that turn him away at the end of the day? Will UK prioritizing Case and Wallace on top of him, will that change his mind? Will he look in the mirror and say, UK already has Sky Clark committed? Case uh, and Wallace is probably going to commit here in the next couple-ish months, and Shaden Sharp's going to commit next, you know, here in the next couple weeks. 
is the backcourt going to be too full for a guy like Nick Smith, who is very confident in abilities? And there's a lot of schools that are tripping over themselves to sign him. Mm-hmm. A lot of schools are, are all in on him. SEC um, schools. A lot of SEC schools are very, very high on him. Um, you know, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Kansas, North Carolina, you go down the list, there's a lot of schools that would do anything to have a guy like Nick Smith on their roster. He doesn't need to go to a place like Kentucky. He will have plenty of other options. So if it, I think the ball is in Kentucky's court. If they go all in on Nick Smith and say, you're our guy, I think there's a very, very strong chance he lands there. If they kind of play games and say, yeah, you know, we like you, but we don't know if we want to take you, how serious are we? I think that there's a very strong chance he lands elsewhere, and I don't think he's going to play games during his recruitment. I think he's kind of a, a serious dude. He's going to say, eh, I don't think I'm being prioritized. The first I said, I asked him, what is the big, what's going to be the biggest deciding factor in your recruitment and who's going to land your commitment? Atmosphere. I want to – I want it to, you know, be felt like it, it's a family, and and um, I, I want to be, I want my loyalty to be loyalty to be known. And will that happen? I, I guess we will have to see. But Zach, it's it's a very interesting dynamic between those parties right now. Uh, and I think how hard they push for Case and Wallace will be very uh, telling about how the Nick Smith recruitment ends up. Mm-hmm. I did, and I think it, a lot of it comes back. To- just to, you know, is Cal going to want to just load up on freshmen when he doesn't necessarily have to anymore? Like, I think, you know, let's, if we go back to 2016, I think, you know, if we could get, if Kentucky could get four or five star guards, you know, that's, that would be perfect. But now if you bring in four or five star guards, you're going to, you're going to say, well, there's going to be a lot of competition going around everywhere because you're going to have returners and you're going to have transfers. And one of those four is probably not going to be as good as they were supposed to be. Uh, so, you know, if I, if I had to, you know, put a bet down on it by the time the start of the, I guess it would be the 2022, 23 season starts, I would, I would guess that only two of these four that we're talking about, uh, ultimately play at Kentucky just for some of those other reasons, you know, they might commit and other things might happen, but things are just different nowadays. And I, I still do think that Case and Wallace would probably be their preference just based on myself watching uh, what I've seen, I think Casey Walsh is probably your better player. But you know, if they're going to get Shaden Sharp too, and then they're bringing in Sky, it's just it's going to load up quick. So we'll just kind of have to see how it plays out. That's obviously way down the road, but yeah, completely agree. Um... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Nick Smith's AAU teammate, Brandon Miller, is, for my money, the most skilled, uh, you know, for his size at 6'9", you know, a buck 
185-ish weight-wise, maybe 190. Uh, man, that dude has skill out the wazoo. The, the way he's able to bring the ball up the floor, he can grab a rebound, bring the ball up the floor, and I, I really think it's special. I mean, he's as versatile as you can get for a 6'9". Uh, you know, there, there was the longest time that, Zach, we used to talk about Brandon Miller, and I'd say, look, he's a six foot nine, athletic, you know, very skilled player, but he hangs on the perimeter the entire time. All he does is catch and shoot jump shots. He drives me nuts. Attack the basket. Dunk on somebody's head. You know, go coast to coast with it and, and finish it, you know, at the rim. Do something with – don't just take jump shots. And here he is, you know, just – kind of perfecting his craft in the mid-range and extending his his shot out to the three, where it's kind of like he's looking at people and going, I already know I have the athleticism part. I know I have the finishing part. I know I can dunk on somebody's head if I need to. I'm working on becoming a modern-day NBA big wing, forward type deal, whatever you want to call him. He is a prototypical NBA wing. He actually was named the defensive uh, player of the event of Peach Jam. Yeah, that doesn't shock me at all. He, you know, jumped over the pa- players like Duran and Lively and other, you know, premier defenders. Jump the passing lanes, block shots. He does everything. There is a question about his motor, and I still to this day do not know if it will be fixed by the time he gets to college. It's something that I've said on this show. He has proven me wrong uh, the, this last couple weeks, couple months. He has absolutely proved me wrong. He has looked very, very, very good. I've been very impressed. I know the staff is very impressed with him as well. Um, so props to him. I definitely think that they like him a lot. I don't. I think that he's one of the staff's favorite, you know, kind of three, four combo type players. But like we talked about, how many pieces are they going to add to this class? Something just tells me that I know the pro route is pushing for him. I know Alabama, Tennessee, some of these other – Auburn, some of these other schools are making a push for him. Uh, Kentucky, he wants to play professional basketball. At the end of the day, that's what he wants to do. Uh, so he wants to play in a system that would teach him something like that. And Kentucky – and I've talked to his dad several times. They're very high on that – on the Kentucky program and kind of what they bring to the table on that front. So – I would put Kentucky very high on his list. I just wonder if it's going to be a number crunch situation at the end of the day where uh, is he going to be ready to make a commitment soon enough for uh, UK to add him to the fold? Uh, well, how many how many players do you see them adding out of this class, realistically? Because there's a lot of prospects we've listed off here. That's seven or eight, nine maybe. I think that Xavier Wheeler leaves after this year. I think this is going to be a one-and-done year for him. When I talked to him when he first entered the transfer portal, he said, I'm looking for a place that can get me to the league in one year. He is, has his mindset on going to the league. Ty Ty Washington is a one-and-done. I've heard from several people that he is the, the truth in practice. I wrote a little, you know, Matt went on the a practice report back in June where I said a lot of those same things, and Matt – Heard a lot of those same things as well, so kind of con- confirming that. But I'd heard from the beginning that Ty Ty Washington is the truth. He's a one and done. Um, I think there's going to be some attrition. There's always attrition. It will happen with this. Some of the players that are on this team will uh, see attrition. Don't know about Damian Collins. I'd, I've heard that he wants to be a one and done. I don't know if he's ready to be a one and done. Um, we'll see how that goes. Oscar Sheboy, I think that he's like – he wants to – you know. I don't think he's in a rush to leave, but I think 
he came here because he wants to go professionally. I think there's going to be a lot of pieces that leave this team per year. A lot of pieces that leave this current team. And I think that will determine – I think they want to get their guys signed on early, guys like Shaden Sharp, Wallace, or somebody like that. I think they want to get the guys, especially a, a Derek Lively or a, a – shoot, goodness, for, you know, God forbid, Filipowski wants to join the fold, somebody like that. They want to get a couple of their strong foundational pieces signed on and then kind of see where things go. If the season starts and it's clear that Damian Collins is going to be a surefire one and done, you make that extra push for that second or third big. Uh, if, uh, you know, Ty Ty Washington's not having the year that we're anticipating or Xavier Wheeler definitely is not going to be going anywhere after this year, then you don't make that extra push for that extra guard. I think they're going to get their foundational pieces to start with and then kind of see where things lie after the fact. So if you had to guess the, on a number. I think I'm we're saying four. I think five is a very safe, safe bet. I think they only added three this year. Mm-hmm. I think th- that, will bal- that will balance itself out. Um, I, I think they'll get Bryce Hopkins back. I think they'll get it, probably getting Damian Collins back. Uh, I think we'll see some attrition elsewhere, elsewhere that will, that will, uh, that will create, opportunities for UK to add a, a strong five-man class. If I were to guess Kentucky's class right now, I'd say it will end up being Sky Clark, Shaden Sharp, Kaysen Wallace, Adem Bona, and Derek Lively. I think that's going to be their five. The dynamics are going to be very interesting. They're going to go for their yeah. foundational pieces. And Injuries also happen. We'll, it'll, we'll, it'll all just have to play out. But um, l- let's end the show with what everybody wants to know. What's the latest with Jalen Duran? Is Jalen Duran going to end up in Kentucky? What's the latest there? Um, yes. 100%. Yes what? Just yes. Just yes? You can take that as you want, folks. <laughs> um, here's the deal. Kentucky thinks they still have a chance. I, do I agree with that? I don't think so. I, I don't. What kind of chance? You know, like what's if they had to put a percent on it, what do you think that they would say? I think Kentucky is still very much actively recruiting him. They think that at the end of the day, the business side of things will win out. And so I, I'd probably give UK a 20% chance to land Jalen Duran right now. And I think that's for where we are in this recruitment a week until he decides. I think that's totally fair. I think Miami and Memphis are duking it out for that top spot. I've heard, as you heard today as well, there are two different narratives being written right now. I've heard that he wants to play for Penny Hardaway. He loves Memphis's pitch, that Penny Hardaway is a four-time all-star in the league. He knows what to do. You know, he is – if there's ever a guy that, that knows what to do with players, it's a guy that was in their shoes as a high-profile recruit, high-profile NBA player, you know, college player, that, that sort of thing. I think there's a lot of trust between Jalen Duran and Penny Hardaway. Yes, I've heard Penny Hardaway has such a great track record of producing all-stars in the NBA. Do I agree with the thought process? I wholeheartedly do not. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that's kind of what the narrative is right now. Oh, I believe there that. is a very strong narrative that Amani Bates will be signing with Memphis. I've heard that from several different players, several different individuals, coaches. There's a growing sentiment that – they want to play together. They they would like to play together and kind of form a little superstar duo uh, playing under Penny Hardaway. The branding, that sort of thing, would be uh, they think would be 
a, a pretty strong appeal to playing at a, at a place like Memphis. I would watch out for Amani there, and he is actively recruiting Jalen to join him there. That's kind of some of the things that I've heard. Uh, I've heard that his mom likes Kentucky, that they they are all about development and professionalism and making money at the end of the day, thinking of it as a $100 million decision that they don't want to gamble away as opposed to a million-dollar decision that, you know, whatever they can make with NIL. They are thinking max contract in the league, and they trust Kentucky, the family trusts Kentucky to get that done. But the pull of DJ Irving at Miami is very, very strong. There's a lot of trust there, something that I did not give enough credit to to start with. I thought it's it's – a former high school and AAU coach, who cares? Like, it, you know, it's not Kate Cunningham's brother. It's not a dad. It's, you know, it's a former coach. There's a very, very strong tie there. And a lot of people, very well-connected, plugged-in individuals think that at the end of the day, trust and, and relationships are going to win out and he's going to end up at Miami. If I'm playing the odds here, I think it's Miami and Memphis duking it out for one and you know, one A and one B right now in Kentucky being that firm number two. I don't I haven't heard a lot of professional buzz here in the last couple of weeks. Um so I mean that's could be a total smoke screen. Maybe at the end of the day he goes, you know what, screw it. I'm just gonna take the money, go pro right away. I don't want to deal with the college mess, but I have not personally heard a lot of pro- professional buzz as of late. If I were to kind of peg my options right now I'd say Memphis Miami 1A 1B in no specific order maybe give the slight edge to Miami but it's it's very close and Kentucky still technically in the thick of things I don't think they are anywhere close to the favorite or whatever but there is kind of this slight internal optimism that at the end of the day he's going to come to his senses and realize that he's a hundred fifty million dollar max NBA player why risk that? Go to the place that has put a ton of them in the league and have, you know, Anthony Davis, Carl Towns, Bam Adebayo, so on and so forth. The track record is there. Why risk it? Mm-hmm. They're hoping that at the end of the day that he comes to his senses and does that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I want to know your thoughts on that dynamic, though. The talk of Kofi Coburn wanting to come to Kentucky, something that I have confirmed over and over again with people that would absolutely know, I assure you, that is how this story unfolded. It came down to an internal push and pull of do we want to mess up the kind of team synergy that we have, which I've heard is very, very strong. The fit, do you want to add a seven foot, 285 pound plotting big, uh, change the total team dynamic of what they're already going doing in Lexington? That's what it came down to. It was a John Calipari call. He said, I know he wants to come here. I know Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman have done a bang-up job putting this option on the table for us, but it came down to Coach Cal making that final call, and he said, I think I'm going to pass. I think it would be in his best judgment to go back to Illinois. That's exactly what happened. I am absolutely dead certain that that's how it it unfolded, but they're still open to the possibility of adding Jalen Duren. They think that he can be a – or I don't think he's as versatile as a shooter and scorer as a lot of people make him out to be. But I do genuinely think that in the mid-range game and kind of the turnaround post moves, he definitely has some four in him as well. And he'll develop and he, he wants to develop into a four, kind of that bam out of bio mold. So that, that's kind of why he would go to a place like Kentucky. What do you think of that dynamic of adding a guy like Jalen Duren? And what do you think of, of Cal's decision to turn down Kofi Coburn? 
Well, I always thought it was a little bit interesting just because I, you know, it kind of seems like they're in the same situation where, you know, Coburn and, and uh, Dern are clearly different players, but they still pretty much take up the same space. They both aren't outside. Uh, you know, I admittedly have not watched enough Kofi Coburn or Illinois basketball the last couple of years, but I would assume that Jalen Dern is probably a pretty, is probably a better passer than him. So you yes. can, so you can, you know, supplement that how you will, but you know, I don't think Shashibwe uh, and Dern next to each other is, you know, a match made in heaven. So I'm curious to know what, uh, you know, how that, how those conversations are going inside. If, if maybe the players are just like, they would just rather play with a guy like Jalen Dern, who's more just pure athleticism as opposed to just, I guess, plopping himself tank down. Yeah. in the middle. So I guess I can understand the push and pull from, you know, the players inside, especially, you know, like if you're a guy like Lance Ware, like you don't want Kofi Coburn coming to Kentucky, you know, yeah. and you probably don't want Jalen Dern coming to Kentucky either. So, uh, Obviously, I think Coach Cal would like to have Jalen Duran, but I feel like that's still – I feel like it's still kind of the same situation with Coburn. So I'm interested to know if it's, you know, what the actual – you know, 20% is what you said. That's probably what I would say as well is where Kentucky stands with, with Landing Duran, just because I think those, those other factors, like with, with what happened with Coburn, I think that matters. And I think that they're – and the situations are close enough that – I don't see it making sense to not take Coburn if you're going to take Duran. you know. That's – that was my – I think Kofi is a guy that you build your team around. He is an anchor for a reason. He is a second-team All-American for a reason. I was always pushing for it and saying, look, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where the connection is there, the interest is there, he wants to be here. Why in the world would you turn that down? And the answer that I keep getting back is things are going really damn well in the Joe Craft Center right now. Which I get. Last season, I'm going to put this out there. I've heard from several different people that it was hell on earth. That the locker room was absolutely horrible. That there was a lot of, of just not great stuff. A lot of uh, personalities that clashed. A lot of... Um, early clicks that were formed. I wrote this in a little like practice report back in June, but uh, have since confirmed that and kind of gotten more context and information about it. There were early clicks formed last year that were never separated. Um, they couldn't be. Some of the strongest voices in the locker room um, kind of pulled away from some of the developmental guys that needed leadership and needed like it just. It was a match-made-in-heaven nightmare scenario for this coaching staff um, last season to deal with. And I think Cal's genuinely terrified of that happening again. I think he's going to do whatever it takes to not do that. Um, and I think at the end of the day, there was a little bit of pushback. They were like, look, we, you, know, you built this team to be this versatile run-and-gun, take threes, uh, you know, grab rebounds and, and putbacks and those sorts of things. And you're going to add a, a you know, seven foot, 285 pound guy that doesn't space the floor at all, that he kind of brings people in and, and he's just kind of this, this interior magnet who isn't a good passer. He's not a good passer. So even putting in good shooters around him, like there's the, the mindset and that's kind of where Jalen Duran comes in. He's a great passer. There's this mindset of you're going to, put all these shooters around and kind of have this strong guard class. And then 
add a, a piece that completely changes that. And it, it's, it's not even that there were individual players saying, hey, no, you're gonna, that's going to take away minutes from me. That's, you know, I'm not going to get as many shots. It wasn't necessarily that. It was more so by adding him, it's going to completely change the dynamic and the fit of this roster and kind of what we are as a team, what we've been working this summer, what you recruited us to be. And you're going to change everything at the last second for one dude. And it was just kind of like this, we're good. We don't need, we don't need that. And I think Cal looked at himself in the mirror and said, all right, my team, my team wants this. Here's what we go. I will say there were, and I, I sent out a tweet and I was like, there are Kentucky players that want Kobe Coburn and realize that how good of a player he is. He's a second team All-American. I 100% will tell you that there were a couple players on this team well, I will say that may have played against him last year at Illinois that said, what are we missing here? He's a second team All-American. He's the best big in, returning big in college basketball. We have to add a dude like this. He is incredible. I think the overall majority and it may, may it might've even been the minority of people that just kind of said, Hey, I don't know if this is necessarily the right fit. I think that ended up winning out at the end because Cal just did not want a repeat of what happened last year. Things are going great right now. I've heard nothing but positive things. The team synergy is there. The just overall chemistry and, and camaraderie, all that stuff is could not be better. It, it's kind of, if it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type deal. I also think another point that can be made is, if you bring in Coburn, like you were saying, you would pretty much have to redo everything that you planned for offense because Coburn's coming to UK with the idea that he wants to work himself into the draft because he was probably not going to get drafted had he uh, left then. So that's, you know, if he's going to, wherever he's going, especially at Illinois, he's going back because he wants to play 35 minutes and he wants all the shots. At Kentucky, that's probably not going to be the case as well, whereas with Duren would be a little bit better in terms of plug and play, and Duren's going to be the number two or th one, two or three pick in the draft, regardless of how many minutes he plays at Kentucky, whether it's 20 or 35, he's still going to be, you know, a guy that you can just throw out there and he's going to be able to do enough. He's versatile enough that, like, a, like I'll just come back to that word again, plug and play. He's, he will be much better at that, even though, you know, he and uh, Kofi kind of take up the same area of the court, uh, that extra versatility would make it easier where you wouldn't have to change your entire offense with Jalen because he's going to run and sprint on the floor. He's going to try and run up and down. He's going to kick it out for threes. So uh, I think that's probably that if you had to pick a reason why they would choose, you know, going more in on Duran and bringing him as opposed to Coburn, I think that that's probably part of it as well, where, you know, you've got, you've also got 10 other players that are going to need to be appeased as well. And if you add in Coburn, you're going to piss off probably two or three players. Yeah. And uh, maybe even subsequently some of the guards who aren't going to get as much touches because you have to feed the ball into this big guy who, you know, to be effective, he has to have the ball in his hands. He has to be, you know, five or 10 feet away from the basket. So uh, in that sense, I guess I could, I'm probably just like counter, counter, you know, countering myself with what I initially said, but uh I think that that's that's probably part of it as well, like where you can just you know why why not bring in Duran because you can just play him better. He, he's just going to be easier to play with as opposed to a guy like Kofi. I, I asked around and I said, "Is this a we need him situation or is this a we love what we have?" It, it, kind of a are you guys really pursuing him or is this a if he wants to come, we're definitely not going to turn down a number potential number one overall pick. 
are you guys actively recruiting him or not? And is he in need or not? And it was a, is it fair to say both type deal where it was like, we are very pleased with what we have. And I genuinely do think that this team could be a, t- a, a contender. We like the chemistry. We like the fit. We like the guards. We like the front court. You know, there, there's just a, a solid piece. But we are – that is – they are still, until he goes somewhere else, UK is actively recruiting Jalen Duran, And that's why, you know, I kind of got a quote of, I, I, you know, it was a, do you guys have a chance? is there a real chance that, that he goes there? And it was a – the response I got was, we always have a chance. We're Kentucky type deal. So how real, how realistic is that? Is that just Kentucky being confident in, in themselves and knowing that, hey, we're kind of reestablishing ourselves as the swagger brand, uh, you know, kind of the gold standard of college basketball? Is that kind of just coach speak, you know, people inside the program speak, or is that legitimate confidence in adding him? That's I personally don't think he ends up in Kentucky, but they're trying. And I think that's good for them. Same thing with Kyle Filipowski. There's a lot of talk that he's not going to end there, but they're still giving it a shot because why the hell not? You know, there's, well, and that's, you know, the transfer portal allows you to do those things now where you can come in late on a guy like that and you can push all your chips in. If you don't get him, you can get a guy just as good or better in the transfer portal a couple, couple months later. So, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. We will get out of here with that. We got a lot of uh, recruiting talk done. I, Zach is, is here with me. We're down in, in Orlando. Uh, we've been talking about doing a live um, kind of during draft night tomorrow night, doing a live show on either Facebook Live or Instagram Live, one of those two options to kind of answer questions, fan questions, you know, what, you know, old story recruiting stories or who UK is going after kind of in, you know, behind the scenes stuff that's going on. I think it'd be a lot of fun kind of while the draft is going on to just kind of talk with fans and all that. So if you guys are interested in that idea, reach out to me on Twitter individually at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Uh, we'd love to hear some feedback. Zach, uh, we'll, we'll get out of here. Please reach out to Zach as well, but where, where can fans find your work on Twitter? You can find me at Z Gagan KSR Gagan is spelled G E O G H E G A N. The three G's, the triple G's, <laughs> the triple G's, but yeah, maybe we'll open a bottle of bourbon too and see uh, just where the, where the draft goes. I am just see, see how far BJ Boston uh, either slides or jumps up. That's, that's, that's going to be the surprising part. I think we're all pretty much, it's pretty much confirmed at this point that Isaiah Jackson is going to go 20 to 30. I think that's, yeah, I would put a pretty strong bet on that, but it's going to be fun. So I th- let's prepare. Let's kind of think ahead, planning out loud. Let's plan for something tomorrow night and do a little live stream action and, and uh, kind of a live Q&A type deal where fans can come on and, and ask questions and we will be more than happy, maybe even like a live blog, something. We'll, 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 we will do something interactive tomorrow night during the draft. So uh, kind of mark that in your calendars and let's have a good time. Uh, I am Jack Pilgrim at Jack, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we will be back tomorrow night with another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then.
madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.